part of it is opening up the eyes of the customer and looking at the problem in a, maybe a different perspective or maybe a different way, introducing some concepts that maybe they never thought about. So most sales pitches do not have a section of the pitch that specifically covers discovery. So if you look at when marketing builds a sales pitch, they literally will have this pitch and, and if you look at it, you'd be like, well, where does the discovery happen? And marketing's like, I don't know, that's some weird sales thing. Like, maybe they do that before. <laughs> and that's a crazy way to think about discovery. Discovery should be something that's woven in to the actual narrative of the pitch itself. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome, April, to a live uh, edition of the SaaS Revolution Show podcast. I'm Alex Thuma, CEO founder of SaaStock. Uh, we are here at SaaStock 2023 in Dublin uh, again. April, how many SaaStocks have you done? A lot of SaaStocks. A lot of like SaaStocks. Like maybe four? The, all, this might be my fourth, maybe? Almost, almost all, all the SaaStocks. So that's a good number, four. I think Patrick Campbell is at like six, <laughs> but, but, but he's broken. now he's sold his business, he's not here, Bro, so he doesn't care So he anymore. broke the streak, he's not here this year. Sell, wow. sell your company for 200 million, you don't need to come back to SaaS stock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, have you sold a company for 200 million? Yeah. Not yet. Not yet, okay. All right, well, we're not gonna talk about that. Um, April, uh, thank you for coming here. Uh, you spoke at the scale stage, um, yeah. uh, uh, which was great, it was absolutely packed. I only saw like two words of it. Uh, but, were they uh, good, though, those two words? They, they were amongst the best two words that I've, I've heard at the conference. Great. I um, think the two words were sales pitch. But I, I, I promise you, I, I will watch the video uh, afterwards uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we publish it. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll confirm. But sales pitch then, right? So, yeah. you, you know, we know you. I know you as the positioning uh, person. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you wrote the book. Uh, Obviously, awesome uh, on positioning. One of the best books on positioning. There's not that many, but There's it's one not of the that best. Many, but it's one of the best. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> of those two books, it, it is. Has anyone has anyone read books. April's book? Oh, that's pretty pretty I good. Love it. Hello. Pretty good. I, I do quick math. That's like 100 percent of the audience there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was never very good at math uh, at school, <laughs> but um, but now you're doing a book on sales pitches like yeah. why why well so here's why so um i've worked now as a consultant with over 200 companies and specifically we're focused on the positioning and here's the issue when we do the positioning work marketing is usually happy because as part of the positioning work we're defining the differentiated value which is you know what, what's the value we can provide that no one else can and so marketing's happy. They can run off and go build messaging with that. Sales, when they're in the room while we're doing the positioning, sales is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, this is good. Yes, I agree with all of this. And then two weeks later, if you go look at what they're pitching, they're not pitching any of it. They're not pitching any of it. They're just talking about features. They're doing a feature function walkthrough. And you're like, what the heck just happened? And they're like, well, we intellectually, we understand the positioning. We just don't know how to pitch it. Like we don't actually know how to weave a story around that. And so when I wrote Obviously Awesome, I assumed that there was sales pitch structures out there that companies use to build their sales pitch with. And it turns out there actually isn't one. So every single company I worked with 
when when we went to do the translation of the positioning to the new sales pitch, like their sales pitches were just kind of the wild west. Like it was either just feature, 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 or it would be, we're going to have a couple of slides that introduce the company and a slide with all our customers on it, and maybe a slide that talks about the problem. And then we do feature, 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 feature. And I'm like, wow, nobody actually has a structure to do this. So, um, so I have a structure that I was using back when I was a vice president of marketing internally. So I started doing that with my clients because if we just left after the positioning piece, it would never survive the jump to sales. If it didn't survive the jump to sales, then it wasn't actually becoming real for customers. So in the workshops I do now, we do the positioning bit, then we translate it into the sales pitch. And what I was noticing is every time we did this sales pitch thing, my customers are looking at me like, what, that, what just happened there? Like, that's amazing. Like, how did you build that thing? And I thought, well, okay, maybe we need a book that teaches you how to take your positioning and translate it into the sales pitch. So that's what the new book is all about. Very cool. And, and it is out now, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it As is. of it's two weeks, it's brand new. So you didn't give me enough time to read it because I read one book a year. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't, actually, I read, I, I, I read more than that. It's really short. It's easy. Audiobook will so, come in a couple of months, and then you don't even have to read. Are you reading the audiobook? Is that yes. your voice? Okay. It's going to oh. be me, my glorious Canadian accent for oh. hours and hours. I, I listen to that. You say a boot. A boot. <laughs> a boot. A boot. The who's? Uh, yeah. So um, instead of feature, 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 then, like, what should... What is it? What should you be doing? So... Um, if you look at our positioning, like the key to our positioning, the answer to the question, why pick us over the other guys, is our differentiated value. So that's the value we can deliver for customers that no one else can. So what we really need to do in a sales pitch is answer that question. That's why the customer is there. They're not just looking at you. They're looking at you and three, four other companies. And so what they want in that sales pitch is the answer to the question. Why, why should I pick you? And so if we really want to answer that question, what we have to do is communicate our differentiated value. Now, most companies, the differentiated value, if you just talk about it on its own, it needs a little context for customers to really, really get it. So this morning I gave an example of Help Scout. And so the thing with Help Scout is, they, if you just look feature function, they look like every other customer service software out there, more or less. Like It doesn't really answer the question just looking at the features. But if they explain to you, well, we were built for digital businesses, and we think digital businesses care about customer success in a different way because customer success is a growth driver rather than a cost center. And so if we believed that customer success was a growth driver, we would build that software differently. And so... If I have a little preamble with this, then the customers understand how to contextualize their differentiated value. So in my sales pitch structure, there's a setup and a follow through. The setup is where we talk about our insight into the market, how we see the market differently than anyone else does. We talk about the whole market, pros and cons of all the different approaches to the solution. And then we get sort of an agreement with the customer on like, hey, can we agree that if we really wanted to do this well, a company like you would need a solution that ticks these boxes? If the customer says yes, then we move to our stuff and we're saying, look, we can provide you this differentiated value. There's three points. Here's the value we provide. These are the features that enable that value. Here's the value we provide. Here's the features that enable it. Here's the value. Here's the features. That is a sales pitch that's designed to answer the question, why pick us over everybody else? Because we're actually positioning our product in the market and helping people understand 
why we built the thing we built the way we built it. I've heard from uh, quite a few founders over the last few days that you, you know it's been a challenging year. They're finding yeah. it hard to sell. Marketers aren't buying, yeah. especially if they're selling to marketers. Um, missing targets. You, you know, a, a bit of this sort of rhetoric over the last like 24 hours, right? Um, in the challenging market, and if you're struggling to sell your products, you, you know, uh, I'm sure like having a better sales pitch should help you, right? Is but, this but what if easy, easy, low-hanging fruit? Like. If you think about it, like you already generate in this pipeline, you already have people going to your sales team, you're already that stuff is flowing through. What's your conversion rate now from first call to opportunity? It's probably garbage because your sales pitch is garbage. Like she it wasn't would looking be, at anyone like, in particular. Yeah, well, like, I'm just saying, like like most of the companies that come to me, they have this sales pitch that is like nobody's ever thrown it out. It's been around since the year of the flood. And every time somebody does a little new release or a little thing, we're clomming something else on there. One slide gets added. Nobody's ever stood back and said, is this good? Like, are we telling a good story here? Is this a compelling story here? Nobody's, nobody's rationalizing that. So that, like, we stress out so much about every little word on the homepage, and we're A-B testing everything, and we're, like, freaking out about our product-led growth, onboarding, blah, blah, blah. Things go over to sales, and we're just like... We're Teflon. We're like, whatever. I don't know what happens over there. Some kind of magic thing happens over there. It's crazy. Like, so the companies I work with, we tighten up the positioning, and it's a while before that positioning gets implemented because I'm going to have to write messaging around that, you know, forklift the homepage, and it's a while before all that messaging makes it into campaigns. Sales pitch, we can turn that on tomorrow. Like, it is, it's such, such low-hanging fruit if you're in a situation like we are right now where... You know, every deal that flows through is precious. Like, why wouldn't you be scrutinizing what happens at that exact moment when the deal leaves marketing and it's now in sales and this introduction to like, who are we and why should we stay on the short list? If we fumble that, we got nothing downstream from that. Imagine if we could tighten that up and get people to the next step of our sales process better. Like, easy. And in terms of like the sales pitch itself, I mean, is there any like within the books like a rule of thumb of like you know uh, how long it should be and you know how much listening versus talking that you do, uh, etc. Yeah, so there's a, so there's a bunch of really interesting data about this. So uh, so first of all, uh, typical sales pitch it depends on the company and so it depends on how complex the product is, how long their sales pitches are. Some people do half hour first call pitches. Some people do 45 minutes. Some people do an hour. I don't think the length of it changes. I think if we want to do a really good sales pitch, we do need this little setup piece where we're contextualizing what we're talking about rather than just going straight to features. But we don't actually want to stay there all day. We want to spend the bulk of the sales pitch talking about our differentiated value and how we get that done. That's what the customer wants to know. That's what the customer is there for. But we really need to do this little setup bit. So most of the customers that I work with, um, the setup bit is not particularly long. So if, uh, so if I think about the two companies that I mentioned on stage today, uh, one is Help Scout and the other one's Level Jump. Help Scout does it, if you look at their sales pitch, it's a handful of slides at the very beginning. If they have a 45 minute pitch, they're spending five, 10 minutes on that and that's it. And then we're moving on to the follow through stuff. Um, uh, Level Jump, when they were really good at this, before they got acquired, were spending like literally 90 seconds on the setup because the setup was so powerful and it was enough to get everybody to go, huh, yeah, never really thought about that. How do you measure that? Yeah, you're right. We should measure that. Okay, show us how you do that. And that's it. 
Um, on the second part of your question, like how much talking we should we mm. be doing? There's a handful of things that I think are very poorly understood outside of sales that sales really understand. So one of those is discovery. So what we do in a first call is generally the customer has been qualified already in some way. So either the product qualified them or you had some kind of qualification or you had inside sales do a call and do qualification. And qualification is just making sure, should a rep even bother spending an hour with this person? So, you know, do they potentially have the budget? Am I talking to the right person? Do they have, do they have a need that we can actually satisfy? So they're already lightly qualified usually before we get to first call. One of the key things you need to do in first call is discovery. So what discovery is, is it's a two-way process between the rep and the customer where we're getting a deeper understanding of the customer's situation. What are they doing now? What have they tried before? What are other things that might work or might not work? What are their constraints if they have any? But part of what we're doing in discovery is teaching. So part of it is opening up the eyes of the customer to looking at the problem in a, maybe a different perspective or maybe a different way, introducing some concepts that maybe they never thought about. So most sales pitches do not have a section of the pitch that specifically covers discovery. So if you look at when marketing builds a sales pitch, they literally will have this pitch and, and if you looked at it, you'd be like, well, where does the discovery happen? And marketing's like, I don't know, that's some weird sales thing. Like maybe they do that before? <laughs> and that's a crazy way to think about discovery. Discovery should be something that's woven in to the actual narrative of the pitch itself. So my structure has that, good sales pitches have that, where we are doing discovery, and it's a key part of what we're talking about. If I have this setup piece, it is a very good place to do discovery, because I'm saying, hey, I'm a help scout, hey, did you ever really think about the fact that we look at customer service in a different way than traditional help desk software? So we see it as a growth driver. So you know, when we look at what, what our customers are doing, they usually start with a shared inbox and then they migrate to help desk software. Does that resonate with you? Are you using a shared inbox right now? What's a, you know, did you think that was easy for your reps to do? Hmm. Then did you consider help desk software? What did you think about that? Like, so I'm doing discovery, but it's, it's baked into the setup and the structure of the pitch. Just one more question for me, and I'm actually, and I hadn't planned this, but I, I want to, because we've got a, a, a nice audience know, somebody, here. Yeah, somebody had a question. We're, we're going to give you the opportunity to answer some questions, or ask some questions, sorry, uh, to April, which will be live on the podcast. So please do say your name and your question, your your great question as well. Um, but for, so would you, apart from being obviously awesome, uh, would you categorize yourself as a consultant, uh, or like, how would you position yourself in... in uh, yeah, there's a question. How, how do you position yourself? Yeah, so I think of myself as a consultant. Yeah. Like the, the bulk of the work I do is with B2B tech companies that yeah. have a sales force. So they come to me and what they're looking at is they really want to tighten up their positioning, meaning tightening up like who exactly do we compete with? How are we different? What is the value that we can deliver that no one else can? Who exactly is a really good fit customer for this and how do we define that? And what is the market category that we intend to win? And then we take that, we translate it into a sales pitch, partly so that we can test the positioning, but also because we need a sales pitch for the sales team to use that reflects the positioning that we just developed. Do we, do we have many consultants in the audience? One, two, 100% audience uh, consultants there. No, I don't sell the consultants. No, 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 no,
strategically, uh, like how beneficial is that for you, for, for your business? And should other consultants, like everybody in the audience, uh, be... I know, like three. I, Come I, on, I, I'm, man. I'm joking, um, I'm joking. But yeah, it's not a consultant conference. For, for me, uh, writing the book was a game changer. Like, the way I thought about it was that most of the folks I'm selling to, which are CEOs of B2B tech companies, um, positioning is kind of a new concept for them. Like, and so if they would come to me, they would see me speak at a conference like this. Like and Sastok. then they'd call me, like Sastock. So they see me on stage at Sastock, and then they call me and they say, hey, like that really resonated with me, that positioning thing you were talking about. How would we go about fixing it? And then I would have to explain the methodology and how it works and how we're going to do it. And it was kind of a long conversation and they'd be taking notes, but then they'd call me back a week later and they're like, do it again. Like, you know, tell me again how this works, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I just had a blog post or something and I could say, read that. That's the, that's the whole thing written down. You don't have to take notes. You can just go look at that thing. Here's how you do it. And then I started writing the blog post and I was like, oh man, this is more than a blog post. Like, <laughs> this is actually a book. And then I thought, okay, well, the, a book would be great because then, you know, maybe some of my customers would read the book before they come to me and then they have a deep understanding of the thing and they sell themselves. Like, you know, either you, either you agree mm -hmm. with it or you don't. If you don't, don't call me. If you agree, call. Um, and then I also thought it would be good for smaller, earlier stage companies that aren't even, you know, the CEOs are not even paying themselves. They're not going to pay a consultant to come fix it. And I thought, well, they could self-serve, use the thing, and it would be a useful thing for, for other folks to have. Because I was doing a lot of coffee meetings with early stage guys yep. that, not gonna not gonna hire me so that was the idea um, what's cool about the book for my business like so since I so I released the book in 2019 um, and uh, since then my business has really changed in terms of how people find out about me like it used to be they would find me through referral I work with one CEO and they'd be in a CEO group somewhere and they talk about my awesome stuff and then three four of those people would call me now I get calls from complete strangers and the cool thing is that they've read the book. They're already sold. Like, I don't have to sell anybody on anything. They just call me and they're like, we want that thing. When can you do it? How much does it cost? These are the questions. So writing a book, that was worked out good for me. Good. Uh, anyone got a book in them? No? No? Almost. Uh, we've got a question in the audience here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over. Somebody have a question? Is there a question? Oh, we got a question. Hi, April. Hello. Zoe here Hello. from Liquor. Um, okay. Super fan since yesterday from your workshop. Oh, great. I was, I was wondering, um, do you have like a communi community of customers who have successfully implemented that in these pitches and would they share their pitches so one kind of get an inspiration of how oh, it looks yeah. into practice or do, is it in your book or on your website yeah. so to get a look and feel? Yeah, great question. So the bad thing about sales pitches is not everybody wants to share their pitch, right? Like some of them and they're like, like, they're okay with talking about the positioning at a high level, whatever, but they don't necessarily want their competitors to know how they position them. <laughs> so, but I did get four companies, to five companies, to agree to share their sales pitch and how they do it in the book. So if you read the new book, there's five case studies in there that explain it. Um, two of them are Level Jump and, and Help Scout, but there's a handful of others. One of them that's really good is Postman. They're one of my favorite companies. And so they're big, venture-backed, I don't even want to call them a startup, they're too big to be a startup, but uh, in Silicon Valley, and um, they, I think, have done a really good job of not just transforming the sales pitch, but taking that sales pitch story and using it in lots of different forms, so they use it in videos, they created a, a graphic novel, which essentially follows the sales pitch structure, so they've done a lot of really creative things, 
with their sales pitch story, so you can see it there. But do I have a community? No. I mean, I know them. Hello. But, um, but I think the book would probably be the best place to look, to look at some examples if you want to try to figure it out. Hi, I'm Nick from, uh, oh, I hear my own voice. Yeah. I'm always better. Uh, I was here last year. Oh. Um, I haven't bought the new book yet, but I... That, you know, one. it's only been two weeks. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I was wondering, especially in terms of positioning. Yeah. Um, so let's say that you, you're a company, you have your own uh, current positioning, and then after you work with that company, they have a new yeah. positioning. Yeah. Is there a phase in the middle where you kind of test the new positioning with a subset of customers before yeah. opening up to all the other ones? And what are the dynamics of that testing? Yeah, so handful of things to think about. So in, in my opinion, when we're building positioning, the best way to test it is to build a sales pitch and test it with qualified prospects. The reason I don't think it's a good idea to take the positioning and turn it into messaging and then A-B test it on homepages and stuff is you're just introducing too much noise. So now we're testing messaging, we're testing copywriting, we're testing page design, we're testing whether or not that traffic is any good and I don't know, you know, is it, is it working with the right kind of people? If I do it in a, in a qualified prospect call, I'm controlling for the customer, I'm controlling for a lot of things. If I, if I just take my best sales rep, then I'm controlling for sales acumen. The thing in a sales pitch, we can try things different ways and kind of see what works. The other thing we can do is we can see how the customer is reacting. So we can tell if they're making a face, like they're confused, or if they're getting excited. And so usually what we do is we do the positioning, we translate it to a sales pitch, we pick one rep, we train the rep on the pitch so the rep is really good at it, and then we test it on qualified prospects, and what we're usually doing is tuning it for a few weeks. So we're doing test pitches, tuning, test, tune, test, tune, and the pass-fail criteria is if your best sales rep at the end of that process says, this is a way better pitch than the old pitch, then you're golden. Then there's no reason that you shouldn't roll it out to the sales team because the pitch is better. And so if it works better there, it's gonna work better in marketing too. A caution I would give you is do not test your new positioning on your existing customers. Your existing customers are polluted with the old positioning. So they're going to be like, who moved my cheese? You said you were a database. Now you're not a database. You're a business intelligence tool. Uh, you know, What you want to do is test it on new prospects coming in because they're clean. They haven't been polluted with the new stuff, with the old stuff so much. Yeah, maybe they saw a bit of it in marketing, but they never had another pitch from you before. So it's a better test to test with a qualified prospect. If I go back to my existing clients, they know all kinds of stuff about your product that, that only a client would know. And so you can do the test, but I don't think you're gonna learn anything about how prospects are gonna react to this thing. Prospects are very different. They're a blank slate. They don't know anything about you. And this positioning has really gotta resonate with prospects, so let's just do it with prospects. One of the things that people come to me, they'll say, but wait a second. What if we change the positioning and the existing customers freak out and they're like, oh my God, we bought you to be a database and now you're not a database. You're this other thing and ah, freak out. And you know how often that happens? Literally never. So customers don't care. The existing customers do not care. They're not on your website. They're not clicking on your stuff. They're not looking at your advertising. They already bought. So they're like, the only two things they care about is, is the price going up? <laughs> if the answer is no, they're cool. And if you promise them something on the roadmap and they're like, 
wait a second, Nick, you're not, you're saying you're this other thing. Does that mean we're not getting this feature? So you're going to have to figure out how to respond to that. But typically, if you're like, yep, the thing we promised you is still coming. Nope, the price isn't raised. They're like, fine. They don't care what your positioning is. They're not sitting around thinking about you all day at all. All right, last last question. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, April will probably be hanging around I'll hang if you're around. I'll hang around. off the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, my name is Batul. Um, I'm Hi. an interim head of marketing and also a consultant. Ah, great, great. And my question is, how do you really convince the sales team to work with the new positioning and to really actually like change their sales pitch? Because actually, yeah. like I'm in marketing and I'm always trying to like bridge the gap. But yeah. There are always like you know walls around the sales team, and yeah. they refuse to really. Oh, go into these things and work with this. Do you um, have any like tips on that? Oh, I have lots of tips on this. So I have lived this. So, so here's the first thing. Sales doesn't get marketing, but you know what else? Marketing does not get sales. So it goes both ways. And so marketing will build these pitches and heave it over, and sales will be like, I don't understand it. I don't understand why this is here. I don't, I don't understand it. And you know what they love? Even though they won't admit it, even though they'll complain about it, they love the existing pitch. Because they're used to the existing pitch. They do it 59 times a day. They do a little joke in between slide four and slide five. You know, so they're, they're all grooved on the existing pitch. And then you throw this new thing over and they're like, I don't know. And they might try it once. And they'll be like, that feels all awkward. I don't get to tell my joke that I like on slide four. You know, so they, they don't like it. So if you just throw it over, it'll never stick. Never in a million years. So the better way to do this is... Let's back it all the way up to the positioning because we can't build a good pitch if the positioning is weak. Almost everybody's positioning is a little squishy if we haven't looked at it in a few years. So what we do is we back all the way up to positioning and we say, look, we're just going to review the positioning and we're going to like do a little exercise to go through the positioning and make sure it's good before we do the sales pitch. And you invite the head of sales to that. If the head of sales is there, now they start to understand your positioning because they've been involved with it. And if there's stuff they disagree with, now they got a forum to say, that's stupid. That's not what happens in it. Our customers don't care about that value. No, we never bump into this competitor. No, we whatever. So you actually want them in the room because they're full of good stuff. They're sitting there talking to customers all day. They actually know a lot. If they're involved in doing the positioning, now they're bought into the positioning because you've given them a chance to voice their thing. We're going to get agreement and alignment between marketing, sales, product on the positioning. Then you can say, okay, head of sales, next job is to take this positioning and turn it into a sales pitch. How about you and me do that together? And so it's not, now it's not me heaving it over the wall. I got the head of sales with me. And so we're building this pitch. And then, and then what we do is we say, okay, we're going to test it. Give it. Let's take the best rep. We're going to train the best rep. We're going to test it. And then once we're done that testing phase, now I got the best rep in the company is convinced, has told me this is a better pitch than the old one. So now I don't, I don't have to tell the salespeople it's good. Best rep goes back and says, look, dummies, don't be using the old pitch. This one's amazing. I know it's amazing. You want to be like me, right? I'm the best rep. And look at all these deals we have in the pipeline. We got them with that new pitch. And now I got sales talking to sales and everything works good. If you don't do it like that, the pitch will never stick. All right, well, uh, let's give it up for April Dunford being a great guest on the SaaS Revolution show. Yeah. If you can't hear that, that's lots of clapping. For clapping. Those that, yeah. There's so much clapping. Because thunderous applause. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, April. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you learn something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.